0: 9,000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Bullhouse backfield. The toss to James Allen. Cuts it inside. Touchdown Sooners. The Sooners win. Hertz has it, handoff, flea flicker, back to Jalen, lob out, C.D., wide open, caught at the 30, to the 25, dance in midfield to the 20, brings a tackle, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! T.D. for C.D. Oh, mama! How
1: about that? I was at both of those games.
2: Uh, I don't think that you were at the first one. No, I wasn't. Do you know, that was the uh, 1996 thriller between 0-4 OU and 25th-ranked Texas. Yeah, 0-4, man. Stole one that day, 27 years ago today. And then four years ago today, CeeDee Lamb had, I think, the number is 32 Texas defenders around him, and he made them all miss and scored a touchdown.
1: Jeez. Mm -hmm. Now, that... Um, the first one was that was when overtime first came back to college football or first first year of it it came back first year of it. Yeah. And that was the only overtime game until 2020, right?
2: In this series history. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, that was which thought we were trending towards an overtime game on Saturday. But Dylan Gabriel had other plans jumped up, saw Nick Anderson in the back of the end zone. See you later. No, um, I mean... Hang
1: on, real quick, though. Yeah. Let's say we did go to overtime. Who do you think would have had the advantage?
2: Well, I think the team that scores late to tie it up has the momentum going in overtime. Now, it's so dependent on the coin flip in college overtime, you know? So that's a big factor as well. But I got to think, like, in that game, more than any other, the momentum really matters. OU would have the momentum, I, I think that they would have had the, the advantage there.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, Texas, we talked about this going into the football game. They, have, they had struggled this season. Like, one of the few areas they struggled is is finishing drives. So, maybe that means down in the, you know, 25 and in, like overtime, they would have struggled. Don't know. But yeah. I, just interesting to think about.
2: Thank God it wasn't decided by those new crap overtime rules that college football has you know since l s u and a and m was so awesome like four yeah. years ago that they changed what is it the third overtime you just do alternate two point plays now yeah yeah well
1: yeah, the second overtime you have to go for two right and then then you start the
2: yeah i'm glad I'm glad I'm not I'm glad it didn't come down to that that may have been the storyline of uh Overtime rules in college football decided by that. No, I, I play those because James Allen's touchdown run happened 27 years ago today. That C.D. Lamb uh, touchdown four years ago today. And it was definitely easy for me in the moment on Saturday during the postgame show to just say, Man, that's the greatest OU Texas game that I've ever seen. One of the greatest OU Texas games of all time. But as, like now that we're removed from it from a few days... I don't think my opinion is has really changed all that much on how great that game is. I I think it's I think it's gotta be considered a top five OU Texas game of all time because it really has everything that you need for a big game, right? It has the hype coming into it, which is critical. Mm -hmm. It had the crazy first six minutes of the game, it had all the lead changes, it had the field goal late followed by OU storming all the way down the field and scoring. Like, it had all the drama that you could ask for. It's had all the drama after the game as well. Xavier Worthy's talking some smack today. Honestly, man, even, you know, a few days removed, I don't know how it's not considered one of the greatest games ever seen in the Cotton Bowl. I think it's right. got to be.
1: Um, I I think so. Now, it's – I'm obviously – Bias somewhat towards two thousand i guess ninety nine to current um, I have no idea how good the games were previous to that, and I know there was some amazing ones, so i 'll have to take everyone 's word for those games, but in my opinion the it, see here 's what 's crazy is twenty twenty one was amazing. This year was amazing. And 2020 should be there because of the four overtimes. But you can tell how we kind of leave that one out. Yeah. How big the crowd impacts the football game. 100%. Because there was only, I don't know what the capacity was that day, We're 25% or something stupid like that. I, I I don't remember. But it changes the entire atmosphere. You had a four-overtime game that was that was just – insane the way it ended, and we just kind of gloss over it.
2: Yeah, I'm, it, like, if it was normal during that time, the stands were full, it would absolutely be in the conversation as well, because of the, the four overtimes, like you're saying, but it just felt like you were at a minor league baseball game with everyone spread out, and you could hear the the individual cheers during that game, but yeah. a, a, another point for this game as to why I think it has to be considered one of the five, maybe potentially even three best, is You know, this game, it's just so unique. But the big moments and the big plays really kind of last forever. And you don't just have one moment from Saturday. You've got two moments that we're going to be talking about forever. You've got the goal line stand. So I guess technically there's four plays there. You'll really see the highlight of Xavier Worthy getting tackled inside the one. And then, of course, Dylan Gabriel's touchdown pass to Nick Anderson. So Mm -hmm. it has everything and... Two highlights, two plays, two moments that will live on uh, forever in this rivalry's history. It's, it's got to be one of the best. Certainly, one of my favorite. Maybe I. Yeah. No, I, it is my number one favorite OU Texas game of all time. That's that's where I'm at.
1: Right. No, I. Um, I got to put it up there. For me, it's 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 so hard to say because 2021 was was incredible, but I don't feel like 2021 was nearly as stressful as this one. I think because we had, you know, we gave up such a huge lead, it didn't feel like the entire game was hanging on each and every play. Yeah. Like it did this one from the opening snap to the to the final Hail Mary that Ewers uh, that threw into the end zone. It felt like every single play – had the chance to be the deciding factor in the football game, which is what you want, right? That's 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 how you um I mean, that's how you define the best game is whenever it's you're that all in. Plus, it it really has had more on the line. Both teams undefeated. Texas, number three in the country. Oklahoma just outside the top ten. I. There was also the feel of it going in that we haven't had in a long time. So that contributes to it.
2: Correct. Steve from Colorado says that James Allen touchdown game was special because it was John Blake's first win, but we were winless. So the 2021 game was just a spectacular comeback. 2023 was the best because of what it meant to the program. Many questions answered. That's a good point from Steve right there. And another reason why um, that one felt a little different for me is just all the crap that you've taken as a fan over the past 18 months or so, the validation that you felt leaving the Cotton Bowl that day, buddy, it, it, it felt good. It felt really good.
1: No doubt. Yeah. It, it. Yeah, we needed it. We needed a moment. We'd won some games after the going 6-7, and seven, and then obviously we won the five games leading up to it and felt good about the football team. But, you know, I, I think – Obviously, nationally, everyone wanted to see what we looked like against a, a legit top opponent. But, you know, regardless of what anyone says, I think the fan base needed the validation as well, right?
2: Yeah, no, they did. Uh, here's another good text from the 405. Weren't we tied in 2021? We had overtime worst case, right? We were behind this year. I think that makes it for me. That I, I think that's actually a really good point huh. because when Kennedy Brooks scored, it was a hell of a moment, man. It, it, it was awesome. It, essentially a walk-off touchdown, though there was like one or two seconds left. But you did feel, well, if worse comes to worse, we got a field goal attempt here to win the thing. Saturday was, you know, you were behind. You had to get points. You had to get points.
1: And you had a minute 15 with no timeouts. You know, that's yep. that's with with the, you know. I know. I know. In college, you get the the clock stoppage until the first down. You know, till the the ball spotted. But because of everyone going up tempo, the officials are in such a rush that usually is like minuscule amount yeah. of time. So, man, we went down. We went down almost too fast. We gave man, Texas an opportunity the best to best to drive, come back.
2: best drive of the entire year. Man, when they needed it the most, that was flawless. Uh, four six nine. I was at that game twenty seven years ago and can remember David Boren coming over the loudspeaker system at the Cotton Bowl and canceling all classes on Monday. A great <laughs> moment for a student. Wow. That's Could you imagine funny. the student section after uh, Boren says uh, classes are canceled on Monday? Now, Man, Now,
3: he did that
1: in 2000 as well, but he didn't do it on the – I don't think they did it at the Cotton Bowl.
2: Well, there's your new tradition. The winning president of the school comes over the loudspeaker. Or just have our PA guy. Classes canceled on Monday at the end of the game. That'd be sweet. Uh,
1: What? So do they have? uh, That's. Sorry, this is a semi-related question. Who does the announcing in stadium? Does the home guy for each team on their? It's just.
2: It's just. uh, I I don't know if they hire. It's. As far as I can remember, it's been the same guy ever since I've been going to that game. At least he's the same guy has been doing it for a while. Not a Texas guy, not the OU guy. I think it's just some local guy, I'm guessing. Um, Nice. Yeah. A lot of cool texts coming in, and we'll get to those throughout the hour. But I do want to bring up that a lot has happened since you and I last spoke on Tuesday. And a lot has happened for one particular player, and that is Danny Stutzman. And while you were out yesterday, I brought it up a couple of times, but Danny was always going to be considered a legend around here, or at least I think that that's where we were headed. I feel pretty good about that. But after that clip goes viral, and that quote is now printed on T-shirts, his legend grew overnight on Tuesday night, man. That no doubt. That was a big deal for him. That really cool.
1: No, there's no doubt. And, you know, I think one of the things that makes it like, even better, is that we didn't find out until days after the game, right? Yeah. That made it kind of cool when they released that little, you know, short film or whatever you want to call it, which I think is kind of the new thing. We saw Oregon do the same thing at the Colorado game. Really, really cool. Really, really well done. Um, But that's, like, the first glimpse you had of it. So, like, the fact that it it came after the fact – just for whatever reason makes it really cool. So, yeah, man. I It just kicked, apparently it, it just they kicked are the party selling. back up on
2: Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like, everyone was yeah. still happy about it, but it was almost as if, all right, bye week, maybe turn your attention a little bit. That video, man, like, it got the party going again on Tuesday night, and I still think we're feeling the effects from it today, which I love that. It's great. Well,
1: uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um you know what he did the uh, Pat McAfee show and had the the picture with coach Venables. both of them had the t-shirts on so yeah man he's 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 checking the boxes right um if if you're going to run a if you're going to run a campaign for like a national award this is what it would look like um
2: and that matters, man. An oh, award man. like the Buckus of Award, it, does. it it matters. Of like it does. I, I think he's probably, man, I I think he's probably the leader right now. And uh, as discussed last hour, um, that that would be a huge deal for this program if it could flaunt a Buckus Award winner in the second year of Brent Venable system. That'd be that'd be massive, man. Oh
1: yeah, that'd be incredible. And um, you know, if this team stays on pace and continues to play good defense like i think now that you beat texas there's obviously nationally going to be a lot of um a lot of new attention on what's happening here and i think the defensive turnaround is going to be one of those major stories and if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about oklahoma's defense right now you got to talk about danny Stutzman. so yeah the uh the legend is going to continue to grow
2: Great question on the uh, text line from the 918. How would Teddy have been on the Pat McAfee show if he was interviewed during his playing days?
1: I would have found a way to try and make it end as soon as possible.
2: Uh, this is what it I have.
1: probably would have turned down the sports information department whenever they called and asked and said that someone's requested me to be on the show. I probably would have said, no, I don't want to do it.
2: Here's what it would have sounded <laughs> like, guys.
1: Hi, I'm Teddy Lehman, University of Oklahoma linebacker. My favorite athlete's John Elway because of his fourth quarter comebacks. My favorite movie is Big Lebowski because it's the funniest movie I've ever seen. My favorite food is spaghetti because my mom always made it and just grew up loving it.
2: Whoa, Big Lebowski, pal, is how uh, McAfee would have responded there after that.
1: Yeah, that's probably his favorite
2: movie, too. <laughs> the least shocking thing ever All If right? he's a, if he's a Big Lebowski fan. No, it's, uh, it's been a fun week, man. Last week was a fun week, but, man, this, is, uh, this has been a fun week. Perfect week for a bye week. Uh, if it wasn't a bye week and they were playing UCF on Saturday, at about 5 p.m. tomorrow we, start, uh, we might start actually looking at the game on Saturday. Luckily we got a week.
1: Yep. yep. All right, uh, let's hit an opening timeout. Keep the text messages coming, 651 Knipple text line. I'm hanging out again at the Brown Bag. Love this spot. And they've got good news. The chicken tenders are back. Three, four, or six fresh, hand-breaded, made-to-order, uh, favorite sauce, honey mustard, ranch. And they've also added some kids' meals as well. They've got the burger tenders, corn dogs for the kids, served with the fries and a drink. You can always order online. Go to thebrownbagok.com. We'll be
0: back. This is your home for Sooner fans the ref sports radio network does your banker know your business the challenges you face and what makes you unique at armstrong bank we're dedicated to understanding your business and working alongside you a true partnership is more than financial transactions it's support trust and attention this is how we make businesses stronger armstrong bank strength runs in our family Contact our knowledgeable bankers to open your business account. Member FDIC. Hey, Sooner basketball fans. It's time for one last go round in the Big 12 at the Lloyd Noble Center. Your men's basketball season tickets are on sale now
2: and start at just $149. Secure your seats. Players, your leading receiver, 20 catches for 415 yards. Then it's Nick Anderson with 11 catches, 282 yards. And then Drake Stoops, 29 catches, 258 yards. Mm. Teddy, you can lead us off. We'll get to the text line. We'll get to tweet submissions. We'll get to everybody's reaction to this. But as we head into the Big 12 championship game in early December, who are we going to be talking about as OU's leading receiver?
1: Well, in my opinion, and you can disagree with this if you oh, want to. Not mine, don't worry. In my opinion, this comes down to two players. It will either be Nick Anderson or Jalil Farouk. And
2: Can't disagree with that.
1: Uh, Farouk last year was a second-half player, second-half of the season player. It feels like he woke up against Texas and had his best game of the season. hey it would stand to reason that Farouk's about to ball out and be the guy in the second half. But how do you argue with 11 catches and six touchdowns? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, oh, well,
2: he, he's got the highest. Well, I guess he doesn't have the highest. Jaden Gibson's averaging uh, like 26.5 yards per catch. Nick Anderson's right behind him at 25.6 yards per catch. But those two are the highest. Yeah. In terms of guys yeah. that have over 10 catches.
1: And Nick Anderson – there's been a couple catches, of games in there say. where he basically didn't even have an appearance. So, I can't imagine that that continues to be the case. Like he's got to
2: No, you have to throw in the ball play. more. Yeah, he's got to start and he's got to get more looks. And, yeah. I mean, that, that, that has to be the case. Um, here, here's the thing I think that is really helping Farouk out is, yeah, he had his best game against Texas. But they used him in several different ways as well. And though we think that some of these things are just essentially handoffs, they are counted as receptions, (laughs) you know what I mean? They are counted as catches. So I just think that he's going to be used in more creative ways, I guess, than Nick Anderson will be, which helps out Jalil Farouk quite a bit. Yeah. Well, I know a direct snap doesn't count as a reception, but it just seems like they're very willing here to – do some very creative things with him moving forward, which I, I don't hate that at all.
1: No, I agree. Uh, I think Farouk is, you know, really excellent with the ball in his hands after the catch. Uh, we've seen that. We saw the, the great play against Iowa State. Um, I think that was Iowa State. Or was that SMU? I can't remember. We had the big juke cut back after he caught it. Farouk?
2: Yeah. Um, well, the S- you're not thinking of the SMU game, are you? where he caught it know. at about the 5 and he made that play and scored.
1: I don't remember. I I thought it was
2: thought it was a little further out
1: than that, but it doesn't matter. He's good after the catch. Um he's good with the ball in his hands. So I agree with you that they're going to you know probably continue to find creative ways and which, you know, you could do that with Nick Anderson too. I it just seems a little bit – Farouk seems a little bit bulkier, at least right now. Um, but I don't know. I, I think you're, you're splitting hairs on all of this. Like, those are the two most productive guys uh, that are left. Uh, now, Drake Stoops, you know what you're going to get with Drake. You're going to get the perimeter stuff.
2: He might have the most he, catches at the end of the year. He, yeah, he does now. Yeah.
1: I think that there's a high likelihood of that because of all the sweeps that he catches that are receptions. Um, you know, but he's going to be a middle of the field on third down guy and bubble, right? That's that's what you're going to get from him. I don't really see his role expanding or changing in the absence of Andrell Anthony. Um, I see Nick Anderson get way more playing time. I see Jaden Gibson get way more playing time. And I guess the wild card that you can throw in the mix is Brendan Thompson, but with only two catches and very few
2: snaps even played. It would have to be a Marquise Brown-like emergence where every time yes. he catches the ball, it's going 65 yards for a score. Yeah.
1: Highly unlikely that it would be Brennan Thompson. But, you know, I, I guess I can't totally say that that's not going to be the case. It, you know, it took him a while to get healthy. He showed up, made a huge impression, and then, I don't know, maybe dinged up. A little bit again after that, so I mean, I think you have to factor that in on him. So, if I had to pick between Jalil Farouk and uh, Nick Anderson as to who I think is going to be the number one receiver by the end of the year, now let me ask you this: what what metric are we gauging it off of? Receptions? I, yards, I just I touchdowns? just went with
2: I just went with yards is what I what I went with here. See, he's he's going to have to make up.
1: Like, I don't know, 100, 135 yards or so. I'm going to go to Nick Anderson.
2: Oh, you're, you just did an explanation on Jalil Farouk for six minutes? You looked at the numbers a little bit closer, and then you said, nah, never mind, Nick Anderson, scratch up. Well, that.
1: Well, I, I gave an explanation on both of them. I said it's going to be between the two. And after uh, examining both, I think I'm going to go with Nick. I, th- Anderson. I
2: think the answer, or the 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 answer, maybe it is Anderson. But the answer is who is going to be the deep threat more now that Andrew Al-Anthony's out? You know what I mean? Like who's going to get those opportunities down the field that Andrew Al-Anthony was getting and was going to continue to get throughout the year? Honestly, man, maybe it's split between those two guys because I I think that they're both very capable uh, deep threats down the field, maybe for I've, different well, reasons, but.
1: I think they're I think they're both capable and I think that viewing it through the lens of who's going to be like the bigger deep threat doesn't isn't going to necessarily equal who has the most yards at the
2: end of the season. No, but I it obviously helps. I mean, if you're talking about chunk yardage there.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm just making the point that if you think that and I'm not saying you. I'm just saying in general, if you think that one of the guys is the better deep threat, that that doesn't necessarily equate that they're going to have the most yards by the end of the season. Brennan, so. yeah,
2: you mentioned a uh, Brennan Thompson as a wild card. He he is a very interesting wild card because he is really he's the only guy on the roster that's this way. But it feels like every time they target Brennan Thompson, how, however many times that is, moving forward. It's going to be one or two uh, results. One, an an incomplete pass. Two, a play that nets over 50 yards. And and maybe they throw some short stuff to him, but it feels like, Brennan, just run straight behind the defense. We're going to throw it deep to you. It's either going to be incomplete or it's going to be a big play.
1: Yeah. Man, I'd find a way, if I could, to... I mean, you can test the defense with speed multiple ways. You can do it vertically, obviously. That's... That's the most obvious, and that's the most uh, used by deep ball, right? Taking the top off the defense, trying to run past guys. But you can also do it laterally. And I'd be surprised if we didn't see Levy in this offense find a way to use his speed going laterally as well. If anything, the threat of lateral speed can be an excellent decoy to hit things over the middle of the field yeah so like whenever you run a guy in motion if if he's a you know elite sprinter speed as he goes in motion the guys on the other side aren't dummies they start to expand before he even has a chance to have the football and as they expand you create more space in the interior of the football field for other guys to to find areas to get open so I would use his speed laterally as well.
2: Let me, uh, let me read a few responses here on the text line. Cherokee Sooner says Farouk or Anderson. Agree yeah. there. You can't do that, though. You can't do that. You've got to pick one. Um, 918 sounds like a good time to get Stogner more involved. Farouk will step up further. feel like they yeah. used Stogner more last Saturday. He, he was involved more. Yeah, is, he, is there another game where he had three catches? feel like there were three no. games where he had zero catches. I think he only had –
1: didn't he only have one catch coming in or two?
2: Uh, I mean, it, yeah, yeah, I, less than five it feels like. 4.05, it's time for Double O Q to step up and be a star. Don't sleep on Gibson. Had a tough game last week but has been dependable.
1: Stogner has seven catches total now, so he had four coming into the f- f- football game.
2: Farouk is Mark Clayton-esque, says the texture in the 4.05. Drew from Flower Mound says, uh, where did you go, Drew from Flower Mound? He says, Jaleel, Debo, Samuel, Farouk. So a Mark Clayton and a Debo Samuel uh, comparison and back-to-back text. Most people are saying Farouk is the guy.
1: Yeah. I would say he reminds me more of Debo Samuel than he does Mark Clayton. But I don't. Hmm. He he's not as big and strong and as athletic as Debo Samuel. Correct. Like that's like a I mean that's an extreme version of like you take Jalil Farouk and what he offers, like that's like that's the best combination possible that we've seen of of that skill set, right? I mean Debo Samuel's incredible. And not to say that Farouk isn't. I just don't know that he's quite to that level, but I, I totally agree with the similarities between the two, for
2: sure. Should we even read um, Dylan Gabriel hate text? Or are yeah. we just so past that? Absolutely. that? All right, I almost don't want to give this attention, but I'll just read one because there is only one. Trey says the best wide receiver will be whoever our group of five quarterback can get it to. Jeez.
1: Uh, that's uh, That sounds to me like... Sarcasm, maybe? Uh, Unless there's a history of that. Well,
2: there's, there's definitely been a history of, of hate there coming from Trey. So, I don't, I don't, well, I don't think there's hey, sarcasm.
1: I'll say this. If, if he's just a group of five quarterback, we must have one hell of a football
2: team other than the quarterback <laughs> position. Yeah, that's true. And I think they do. Um, however, I think they got a pretty good quarterback, too. I think yeah. they've got a good quarterback – and some uh, really good players around him as well. So yeah. uh, keep him coming, 405 651 I would say it's probably 90% Farouk, about 8% Anderson. No, I'll, I'll say this. It's about 85% Farouk, 10% Nick Anderson, 5% West uh, Petaway is mm-hmm. going to be the leading receiver at the end of the year. So there's a little... Uh, There's a little wild card in there for you as well, along with Brendan Thompson. Um, Just
1: off of uh, doing a quick size comparison between Debo Samuel and uh, Farouk, he's closer in size to Debo Samuel than I thought. He's a little bit taller. And Debo Samuel's listed at 215, and Fahruk is listed at 204 pounds. So about a 10-pound difference there if that Debo Samuel – um, weight is legit. I don't know. Maybe that was a combine weight, and he's put on size from there because he looks
2: thick, doesn't he? Debo, Debo yeah, man, he looks like um, like for his role. Like if you wanted someone to to do it all offensively, that's you you would create it in the lab, and that's Debo Samuel comes out. It's exactly yeah. what you want.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. That's his. That's his combine weight, two hundred fourteen pounds. So I feel like he's he's put on some size over the last five years he came out and he was in the uh what 2019 draft so yeah all right uh quick time out more from the rush coming up hanging out the brown bag in norman today you can't miss this over on the west side of town 36th and robinson here in brookhaven village they've got the tenders back three four or six fresh hand breaded made to order you can order online at the brownbagok.com
0: this is your home for sooner fans The Ref Sports Radio Network.
4: It's time to stand out. Be bold. And Buicks are bold at Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. Take up to $5,500 off MSRP on new 2023 Buick Envisions. Now that's bold money and unbeatable savings on new 2023 Buick Envisions. Make bold moves. You are going to stand out. Head to Dorsey Jones in El Reno now. Dorsey Jones Buick GMC, I-40 and Highway 81, exit 125 in El Reno, or Dorsey-JonesBuickGMC.com. Experience the new Buick. See dealer for details.
2: You're a member of the Ref Army, and we know you want to show it this football season. Just visit KREF.com, click the KREF Store link on the menu, and check out our fresh line of shirts like the official Ref Army tailgate shirt, say goodbye to the Big 12 with our
0: Thanks for the Trophies shirt, and join us in our pink shirt to salute Julie Venable's fight with breast cancer, for which a portion of every purchase will be donated to Stevenson Cancer Center. Find all of that and more
2: at the KREF Store. The KREF Store, the home of Sooner fans to suit up for the Ref Army. Divinely.
0: Dangerously. decadence. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Come to the Sooner Theater's production of Cabaret, October 8th through the 22nd. Tickets available now at SoonerTheater.com.
4: I'm Gina Mitchell of Mitchell's Jewelry. Nude is headed to Antwerp, Belgium to select diamonds and would love to choose one especially for you. Antwerp is known as the diamond capital of the world. Going to Antwerp allows us to cut out the middleman and save you money while having access to an amazing selection of diamonds. As always, we will draw one lucky Antwerp diamond winner. Order yours before October 24th and you could be our 70th Antwerp diamond winner. Mitchell's Jewelry in the heart of Norman at 2201 West Main Street. Win the most three times a week during Apache Casino Hotel slot tournament days. 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Rewards members receive one free session in our slot tournament. Want another round in the tournament? Earn 200 slot points daily each tournament day to play an extra tournament session. Apache Casino Hotel, where you win the most.
3: Are you frustrated with rising insurance costs or confused about your insurance coverage? At RightWay Insurance, each one of their clients is given a dedicated team of experts that work with you to address all of your insurance concerns. They are an independent insurance company that offers personal and business coverage. RightWay Insurance, 405-607-6014. Or request a free online quote at RightWayInsurance.com. That's RightWay Insurance at 405-607-6014.
2: rush on the ref Tyler McComas Teddy Layman. keep the text coming 405-651-3439 Trey is getting some uh, heat and I mean heat right now on the text line for calling uh Dylan Gabriel a group of five quarterback man a lot of you guys are uh <laughs> giving in the business on there most of them I can't even read but uh, I do condone the text coming in uh against Trey after what he said last segment hey yeah. um Conversation last segment, who's wide receiver one moving forward? Regardless of who it is, this offense has a tasty matchup coming up against UCF. Was looking at some of the conference-only numbers today in the Big 12. UCF ranks last in the conference, giving up 43.7 points per game. And here's what's happened in their three conference games thus far. Kansas State had 536 yards against UCF. Baylor had 26 fourth-quarter points, and Kansas last week had 399 rushing yards. Um, very gettable is this UCF defense. Uh,
1: yes. Yeah, UCF has um, – they've struggled defensively, you know, given up a, a bunch of yards. Um, you know, I guess that. They're giving up more points, really, than they are yards. They actually haven't given up a whole lot of of yards, I guess, if you, if you take their season average. But, you know, this is one of those games where, talent-wise, whenever you just kind of look across the board, we should have a large advantage most of the places on the field and should be able to take advantage of that. Um, you know, I, I think we should be able to – to throw the football well. I think we should be able to run the football well. Now, Kansas Kansas has a different rushing attack than we do. Kansas has a phenomenal uh, running game. With They do all kinds of stuff. They do option in a bunch of different uh, varieties. They do gap scheme stuff. They do zone stuff. They have quarterback run game. I mean, they do... They have an old-school run game, and we we just don't have as much variety in what we do, but what we do ties in, you know, to the rest of our offense. So while I think we'll have success running the ball, we may not put up 400 yards rushing like Kansas did just because that's what they're, they're really dedicated to. But I think we should have success everywhere. Oh, the yeah. thing that, that kind of worries you is, you know, responsibility football, you know, UCF is going to run it a ton and there's a bunch of different ways that they try to you know to mess with you to get you out gapped to get get guys misaligned like that's the one thing that worries you is playing them good for a huge majority of the snaps but a handful of times you got guys misaligned out of gaps and they hit you for explosive plays
2: I mean they're, they're capable offensively let me guess Malzahn, on you know I they're pretty balanced. What they're averaging five hundred and sixteen yards per game, two seventy mm-hmm. through the air, two forty six on the ground. That, that's that's pretty balanced right there. So defensively, I, I mean, I, I don't think that they're very good at all. O, OU should have a huge day, and I don't think that yeah. this is the best offense that OU's going to face, John Rice Plumlee or not. But it's a it's another nice test for this defense coming up. Yeah,
1: and you know the whenever you look at the statistics for their defense, they're you know, they're they're pretty heavily skewed. They've played three conference games, and in those three conference games, they've given up 44, 36, and 51. And, you know, you compare that to the non-conference where they gave up six to Kent State, 16 to Boise State, and then 14 to Villanova. Um, I think that they, they've settled into the harsh reality of, of what – the Big 12 is going to show this season, and they're going to get better over time. But, you know, it's not going to get much easier for them in the near future uh, with the offenses they face.
2: Wilson in the 918 says, What are your biggest concerns going into the second half of the season? I mean, I think you've got to start with special teams, right? That doesn't have to just oh, be yeah. better. It's got to be a lot better. And I think most people would say run game next, and I would be right there as well. I would like to offer a little bit of um, – positivity though when talking about the run game I I do feel like the offensive line play though it wasn't great to start the year it feels like slowly but surely it's gotten better these past couple of weeks I thought they had a nice game against Iowa State and I thought they had some really good moments against Texas so I, I feel yeah. like on that front it's moving in the right direction I agree
1: um now here's the thing we had we had a large rushing output against Texas. We ran it for more than they did. We ran for over 200 yards. Um, we were over our average. I'm not sure what the final exact numbers were. Was it like 210, 220, something like that? Um, I, here's the thing, though. We still did not get much out of our running backs. I, if, if you subtract what Dylan Gabriel rushed for, he rushed for 113 I, all the other guys combined, Tawi, Marcus Major, Salchuk. I'm going with running backs here for traditional run game, not Farouk and Drake Stoops. Let's see, they they had carried the ball 25 times for 70-ish yards.
2: Yeah, not great.
1: You know, so we're still struggling in that aspect. And, and, uh, I, and
2: a big chunk of that was on the Tawi Walker run after the goal line stand. How many yards did that one get you? That was his long run of the day, I think. 20 yards, maybe? His
1: long of the day was 12, yeah,
2: so. Oh, that was um, only a 12-yard run on that play? For some reason, it felt like it was. I don't know. I guess when you're used to getting two or three yards, a 12-yard run looks like a 25-yard run. So, okay. Yeah, Yeah, 12 yards. Yep. Um, Now, I will say this,
1: too. Between SMU, Cincinnati, and then Texas – I, and throw Iowa State in there too. I we faced some of the some of the better front sevens that we're going to see this season already. You know, so I do expect you know some of these numbers to start ticking up. I, I think our, we're going to run the ball pretty good against UCF. Uh, I think we could run it good against Kansas and and Oklahoma State, West Virginia. Like I think the rushing is going to tick up just because of the competition we're going to play as we move forward. All right, quick timeout. Keep hitting the text line, 651-3439, Knippelmeyer text line. Hanging out at the Brown Bag in Norman today. Stay tuned.
0: Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is The Ref. Mike Steele here for Cavens Group. Do you need help with fire, water, or mold remediation? Cabins is a local company that's been in business for over 15 years in the Oklahoma City area. Because they know you can't predict emergencies, Cabins is available 24 hours a day to help with emergency services or commercial maintenance. Call them at Cabins Group today, 405-573-3048, or go online to cabinsgroup.com. Don't say boo this Halloween. Say booyah and head to Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. And we're saying booyah for Sierras. The new 2023 GMC Sierra 1500 Crew Cab AT4X. Take up to $6,200 off MSRP. And booyah to all new GMC lineup. Be part of the new and head to Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. Dorsey Jones Buick GMC I-40 and Highway 81, exit 125 in El Reno. Or dorsey-jonesbuickgmc.com. GMC, we are professional grade. See dealer for details.
1: Teddy Lehman here for my friends at Extreme Outdoor Equipment in Newcastle. They're having their end-of-season blowout on all remaining bad boy zero-turn mowers. Even if you weren't planning on buying a new mower until next season, you're going to want to take advantage of this sale. Take $1,000 off the Ramblers, $1,500 off Magnums, $2,000 off Avenger and Elites, $2,500 off Mavericks, and a whopping $3,000 off Maverick HD and Rebels. The sale ends when the last one's gone. Extreme Outdoor Equipment located at I-44 Exit 108 in Newcastle
0: attention basketball fans get ready for an electrifying season with the defending big 12 champion oklahoma women's basketball team tickets are on sale now and start at just 99 dollars. don't miss out on the action secure your seats now and cheer for victory visit Soonersports.com or call 800 456 4668 to secure your tickets and be part of the winning spirit boomer sooner
3: The law firm of Glass Tabor has been serving Norman and the state of Oklahoma since 1998. Glass Tabor has built a reputation based on thorough preparation, attention to detail, ethical strength, and professionalism. We are your community law firm and have consultants to handle all types and sizes of legal issues. Call Glass Tabor at 405-360-9700 and put their 100 years of experience practicing law the right way to work for you. Or visit glasstaborlaw.com.
0: The Mont invites you to come by and enjoy our high-quality food and drinks in our historic atmosphere. The Mont has won numerous awards, including Best Restaurant in Norman, Best Appetizer for our Great Queso, Best Exotic Drink for the Original Swirl, the Best Patio Dining for our Beautifully Landscaped Patio. Come see the Town Tavern OU football scoreboards dating back to 1947. We'll see you at The Mont on the corner of Boyd and Classen, or call us at 329-3330.
2: Serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. I'm Michael Narano, and I'm a veteran. Today, I'm a sculptor. My fingers
4: are my eyes.
0: DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they earned. They help more than a million veterans every year.
4: With DAV, more veterans can
2: shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world.
0: Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
4: I'm Gina Mitchell of Mitchell's Jewelry. Our showroom is home to classic favorites like diamond earrings and pearl strands, plus cool watches from Michelle and Shinola, and cases full of the latest trends. We are known for our engagement rings and love giving our customers every option, straight from our cases or in their very own custom design, with natural diamonds, lab-grown diamonds, or colored gemstones. Shop with us in-store or shop our website or Instagram, Mitchell's Jewelry, in the heart of Norman at 2201 West Main Street. Cavens Group,
2: bring to this hour of the rush. If you have an emergency 24 hours a day, give Cavens a call. They specialize in fire, water, mold, remediation, and crime scene cleanup. That's Cavens Group, 405-573-3048. 405-573-3048. Let's go to the Meyer Chevrolet text line. This says, my name is Curtis. Talking about the running backs, Walker and Major have not received proper credit for being strong with the ball and not fumbling, have either fumbled at all this year. The only fumbles I can think of, Jalil Farouk fumbles on the opening kickoff at Tulsa. Dylan Gabriel fumbles uh, going in against Cincinnati. Have there been any more fumbles than that?
1: I don't, not lost. I, I'm trying to think of any fumbles that we dove on. I don't remember any. I don't think so. Didn't
2: Gabriel have – this wasn't a fumble that was lost. Didn't he have a play against Cincinnati where the ball was slowly rolling out of bounds? Something happened like that. Lateral. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. threw it it to someone laterally, yeah.
2: But to Uh, the point, no, I don't think any of the running backs have fumbled at all this year.
1: Yeah. Which, you know, that's one of those things where um, rarely do you – Rarely does credit get handed out to guys uh, whenever they don't do something. You know, like if we got great ball security, that's typically not something that's going to be thrown out there until guys fumble. You know, I. but the text is correct. I agree. We've, we've, and that's why we are – are we number one in the country? We're close with uh, turnover margin.
2: I know that. Drew from Flower Mound says, we can check into that. I know we've talked about it during this whole season. Do we think we see Barnes or Sawchuck for the second half of the season? I think that we see them. I mean, we saw Sawchuck last week for one carry. But I don't think it's just in stone that they're not going to be a part of the offense moving forward. I think who you, your two running backs are pretty set here. But will we see Barnes and Sawchuck the second half? Yeah, I, I think we will. What about you?
1: Uh I don't know. I'm not going to say
2: they're be, be a big part of the offense, but we'll see him out there. Maybe maybe we'll see them. I don't know. I honestly
1: I don't even know why it's a conversation at this point. Um maybe maybe they emerge, but I've got I've got no reason right now to think that there's going to be some huge move in the way that those guys carry the football. I could be wrong. Maybe the bye week. But it doesn't
2: feel like, I mean, to your point, and I'd agree, I think most people would, it doesn't feel like that's imminent by any stretch.
1: Yeah, those those guys have gotten fewer and fewer reps since the season started. I, I would think that you would take something dramatic to happen in front of them, injury, off-field issue something before they would start seeing a bigger chunk of carries. I could be
2: totally wrong about that, but that's just kind of reading the tea leaves. Uh, OU Optimus says, good job not fumbling. Now go get some blanking yards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, <laughs>
2: that's one I could agree I mean, with.
1: It is It
2: is something to
1: to point out that they, like the entire team has been really good turnover-wise. Uh, we've taken good care of the football, and that's a huge factor. Ask Texas if it's a big factor, you know?
2: So, oh, well, right. yeah, they were the better team. They just, you know, didn't play their best game, accidentally turned it over three times. That was their that was their big reason. It's a yeah. big deal.
1: They we're forced in no way into any of those just handed the ball over to us. Alright, quick timeout. More from the Rush coming up. Hour number two next here from the Brown Bag. Stay tuned. 25
0: years old.